Check podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. Joined as I am every week by the man who makes it happen, Isaac Lee. What's going on, Isaac? What's going on, man? It's summer here in Los Angeles. Finally. Yes. It's been nice here in Los Angeles. There's been a lot of basketball. We've got you covered here at the Ringer. Pal had a great story on the site, has a great story on the site about Rajon Rondo's secret milkshake. You want to check that out. That was a lot of fun. KOC's got a piece on the Raptors and whether they've hit their ceiling. I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Spoiler, the answer is yes. Uh, We've also got all kinds of Raptors and Cavs talk coming up later in the program with Shea Serrano. Paolo, aforementioned, will be here along with Haley O'Shaughnessy to talk about Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans and also, of course, Rockets and Jazz. And then, you know, you want basketball? You want basketball podcasts? Ringer NBA show has you covered all week long, as does Bill Simmons. I should mention the boss because I was having a nice weekend, Isaac. I went to a party. Mm-hmm. Uh, it very rarely happens that I get to go out and do anything during the NBA season aside from watch basketball, which I'm not complaining about, and hang out with the dogs. And then uh, every now and again, I get to see my wife. But So I went to a party and I was like watching the game because I have to watch the Sixer Celtics game. I was, was interested in it and I yes. wanted to watch it, obviously, for work purposes. Mm-hmm. It did not go well. To say the least. It went well if you're a Boston fan. I am not. Sure. But it did not go well. So fine, whatever. These things happen. And I stopped watching it. And within seconds of the game ending, my phone started exploding. And it was all of my friends, because I previously worked and lived in Boston for four years. All of my, and I'm putting friends in quotation marks, my friends from Boston, who are the very definition of mass holes. They all know who they are. I hate them. Uh, They're terrible people. And so they were texting me to gloat. And in this text chain of excited Celtics fans was a message from the boss man. Uh, and he is making himself available for heat check. <laughs> <laughs> volunteered. So, volunteered. And I was like, well, this is going to go great. So uh, we're going to get into Sixers Celtics with the boss man, Bill Simmons. That's going to come up right now. All right, joining me on the other line, he has been on Heat Check before. We've never done this together. I, under normal circumstances, would be very excited about this. Under these circumstances, uh, considerably less excited. It's the boss man, Bill Simmons. Bill, how's things? Things are good. I had a really enjoyable, entertaining weekend, John. <laughs> you did, yes. Uh, um, my weekend, less entertaining than yours. It is tough. It's been an existential crisis for the Sixers and their fans. It's really, really got dark the last 24 hours. I would encourage everyone to remind yourself that you're fine. You're going to be great. You weren't supposed to win the finals this year. You'll be fine. Long term, you're you're right. But you know how things like things in Philadelphia have been a little squirrely these last couple of months because uh, under normal circumstances, we'd go, oh, yeah, of course, it didn't work out. And you just go back to like living in your rut. But post Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, there's like this weird feeling, this weird vibe in Philadelphia that things are supposed to go right now, and now uh, obviously they did not go right the last two games. There's this weird moment of time, which I think was like eight days ago. Philly had the best odds to win the Eastern Conference. I think they were like plus 140. Mm-hmm. They might have even been like down to plus 125. And I don't know, in the span of eight days, LeBron, or maybe it was, maybe it was 10 days, I can't even remember. All these games happen so fast, but you know, LeBron gets through game four, game five, Indiana, and then just rips through Toronto. And now they look like they actually might give Golden State a half decent series. And, uh, and Philly, who seemed like, you know, that this whole process was getting fast forwarded, 
in some games, the clips. And what's crazy is that, you know, I don't think actually enough of the learn about how close Bellinelli's feet were to the line. What was that, like eight inches? Nine inches? Well, it was close enough that the confetti guy fired off the goddamn confetti cannon. <laughs> what happens to yeah. that? Did you see um, the confetti cannon guy, what he was wearing? Uh, he had a shirt on that said, breaking news, I don't care, which is perfect. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So oh, no. what happens to the confetti guy? Do you bring him back or does he have to go? No, nah, I, honestly, they should have fired him before the overtime. There was a couple bad omens for them in that game. The Ben Simmons missed on, you know, yeah. just felt like a moment. Because if you flip it the other way and he gets that, it gets the crowd going, it gets him going, who the hell knows. And I don't know, I just wonder if what, how the game unfolds if that goes differently. And then the confetti. And, you know, the other part of it is everyone in the arena thinking they won for like, what, yeah. 20 seconds, 30 <laughs> seconds? Yes, I thought uh, they won too. I had a too. couple of friends that were there. Yeah, my friend Mike Tolan was there. And they're all like, jumping up and down and hugging yeah. and then it's one of those things like you turn around and it's like no no there's a flag on the field <laughs> so that it was pretty cruel how that played out but you know philly should have won the game yeah and I, I feel like boston stole game two and pretty much stole game three although you know the catch to that is you're only as good as your best players and simmons and Embiid just didn't play well in game two and game three and it's really tough to win if your best two guys don't play well yeah there's a lot there's a lot there so the confetti thing that play brett brown said was designed to be a three-pointer so even the sixers there were this the way the sixers were celebrating they were celebrating not just like hey we're going to overtime i think we won uh and then it turned out they didn't win as you said so that was a bad omen you mentioned the missed dunk Ben Simmons also had a play late in overtime where he got an offensive rebound with 20 seconds yeah. left and he could have dribbled it out, which is what he should have done and forced them to foul. And instead he, he, he put it up again and missed a bunny. And then all of a sudden that's the end of the game. And I was screaming at this. I was at a graduation party for a kid who yeah. I had just met and I was watching it on my phone. Uh, so I was that guest at the party. It was just a, it was, there were a lot of moments in that game. You're a hundred percent right. Where that's a game they should have won and they didn't because they, they made plays like that or didn't make plays like that. Well, he alligator armed the little bunny. Yeah. I, I thought the Sixers were tight and this, this is what is supposed to happen in the playoffs. Young teams are supposed to take their lumps and learn what to do and what not to do. And every year they get more and more comfortable. I was talking Corral Bob and I were texting today and I was saying like, you know, for anybody to criticize Simmons or wonder what this all means and all that is just ludicrous. Like, go back and watch LeBron James, LeBron James tapes from, like, 2004. Watch him the first two years. Look how different he looks and look how different his, his game was 14 years ago to compare it to now. It's like night and day. This is what happened, you know? I, I think it's part, it's part of the quote-unquote process for him. But, you know, the thing that jumps out to me more than anything it's really hard to win two straight playoff rounds when you don't really have somebody who can create their own shot. And this has been something they've yeah. fudged around and cheated around. They've had such such great athleticism, young legs, and beat the monster, all that stuff. But now we're in the playoffs, they're playing the same team over and over again. They're going against the best coach in the league who's putting together one of the best coaching performances I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, you kind of need that guy every once in a while who's like, oh man, there's seven seconds left. I'm just going to get us a shot. And they don't have it. And Simmons will eventually be that guy, but right now he's not. And I'm just telling you, as a Celtics fan, I, I'm so happy when they pounded to Embiid. I, I think it's the best possible scenario for the 
Celtics. And I think this, this is what the Celtics want. They want Joel Embiid to shoot 26 times. They want everybody to stand around and watch him. And he's just not that efficient. And I also think he's not in shape. Yeah. You know, I know Kevin O'Connor, we were all talking about this in the Slack, but I thought it was pretty painfully obvious. Like, the kind of the bigger workload he gets, he just he wears down by the end. He looks exhausted on the bench. And I, he's a big dude who, I, who is carrying a workload that he's never really had to carry his entire career. And uh, and I thought he wore down. I thought Simmons got tight. And they don't really have that. I got this guy. I don't do you even. What's weird about them, I don't even know what you would say their best five is. If you, if you were going to war, you're like, man, our season's going down. Who's our best five? I don't think they know. And usually you have to know by now, right? Yeah, and that, and that's part of the problem. I mean, it was sort of glossed over. It's been a really weird year because you bring up like you bring up a good, a good point that I think the two best players in the series play for the Sixers. However, neither of those two guys are really like, okay, I'm going to just cook for the next three minutes and I got this and everybody don't worry about it because we're going to need some buckets. Like, Embiid is excellent. I love him. Uh, but you're right. There were a lot of things that he forced. He made some really bad decisions in game three, especially. And then Simmons, we saw what happened in game one or game two where he had one point and they took him out for TJ McConnell. And frankly, I probably would have left TJ McConnell in there. I get that you're trying to like think about the next however many years and you don't want to arrest his development. And he's had an amazing year and he's going to be rookie of the year or should be. And you know he's going to be an excellent player. He already is an excellent player. But in that game, when you're trying to win that game, I probably would have left TJ in there. So the, like that tells you right well, there. But hold on a second, though. Right. Hey, see, I actually think they should have left Simmons in. They're not winning the finals this year. They're not winning the title. The goal, the goal for them this year is to put these guys in these situations and let them take their lumps and learn what works and doesn't work. And Embiid needs to learn, like, oh, yeah, I need to be in better shape in case there's an overtime two days after the last playoff game we played. Simmons needs to learn, like, Oh yeah, it'd be nice if I had like three or four moves when I'm going full speed into the paint. These are these are like life lessons for these guys. So you know, it's it's funny. I thought going into the series they had the two best players. I do not feel that way anymore. I think they have the players with the highest career ceilings in the series. But I just think Horford's a, a better, more reliable player at this point in his career than Embiid. I really do. Like, I, if I had to pick who would I want on my team in a playoff series. Horford brings so many more things to the table, and he knows exactly who he is. And the second thing for me is, is, you know, what's happened with Tatum. And we went into the series talking about Simmons and Embiid. Tatum has looked as good or better than both of them. He's really good. And uh, it was shocking to me. He's he's 20 years old, barely knows what he's doing, and was efficient to the point that the Sixers were actually doubling him in overtime. Which I, I I was like, oh my god, this guy turned twenty a month and a half ago. That outrageous. But he was that good. Yeah. No, he's I look, I'm I've anybody who listens to this show knows that uh I'm a huge Tatum fan, much to the consternation of all my friends in Philly who hate how much I bring it up because it's a killer, right? Yeah. Like he would be perfect for them. He's long, he shoots the three, he, he plays amazing defense, he's totally switchable. He'd be fucking fantastic for them. Uh and instead they've got Markel Fultz who they can't who, you know, one day might be something, but they could really use a guy who was supposed to have the Markel Fultz skill set coming out of college. Uh, like you said, yeah. a guy who could maybe help them uh, in situations where they're going to need some buckets and instead he can't get on the floor. And I just see Tatum going out and cooking and I'm like, this sucks. I would probably still take umbrage with you. I understand what you're saying about 
Al Horford in a playoff series for a team like a veteran guy who knows what he's doing and is very talented and isn't going to make mistakes and he's not going to ever hurt you. I, like I really like Al Horford. I, I still think Embiid is like a much better player moving forward. Moving forward, but I would say I think he has some flaws that have really gotten exposed in this series. Yeah, I'm not even positive. When Brett Brown took him out, remember when Brett Brown took him out in the overtime and Embiid was yelling at him and then he put him back in? When he took him out, I was like, damn it. No, keep him out there. Like, that, honestly, that's how I'm telling you as a Celtics fan. That's how I felt. Because I think he really throws their offense off. When you're, you're 26 shots and two assists, um, the way they're able to pull him from the basket and just creates stuff in the paint. And, uh, and people just kind of stand around when he has the ball. And they really haven't figured out how to incorporate him yet. I, I think they're a long way away from kind of unleashing the full potential of him in a playoff series. I'm not positive it happens with this coach, but I, I, the, the lineup I was the most worried about was if they kind of went small and put him at the center, put him near the basket, and surrounded him with shooters and did it that way, because I think that would have been a tough one for the Celtics. Well, so you, what you mentioned, I think, is fair for this series, but I, I think part of that, and this goes back to your Brad Stevens point and your Celtics point, part of what's happened... The Celtics played Embiid and Simmons tough during the regular season, and we're seeing what's happening in this playoff series. Like they've they've done really well handling those guys, and I think other teams yeah. have have done that less well, right? Like Brad Stevens figured it out. He's like, okay, no that, like so they get full marks for this, and I think part of it also is the Sixers in the first round. Uh, played at the fastest pace of any team in the quarterfinals. And in the semifinal round, all of a sudden, they're way off that pace, right? It was like almost 103 points per 100 processions in the first round. And now they're playing at about 96. Like, Brad Stevens was like, what we're going to do is slow it down. We're going to grind the hell out of this, this series. And it's worked for them. And, like, there's still a universe where the Sixers could potentially be up 2-1 or down 1-2 instead of down 0-3. But the way that Stevens was like, we're going to play at a completely different pace, a pace that they don't want to play at, and their defense and everything that they've thrown at those guys, like I think it's, I think you're right, it's thrown them off. And I think it's less like an indictment of, of Embiid overall than it is just like figuring stuff out in a playoff series against a really tough and smart opponent. But that's the thing; it's not an indictment of anybody. This is this is what has he played ten playoff games total in his yeah. life? Yeah. You know, and he played in the NCAAs. He was a, he went two rounds. Simmons didn't make the NCAAs. Simmons has played ten games. They did a really smart thing. They 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 learned from the Giannis series. They they know how to get back on defense and build the wall and kind of keep Simmons away from the rim on fast breaks, which is throwing him off. But he's still. I actually think he should be doing better. I was like, I really do think it just got in his head, and I could see him coming out and for him being awesome. I I think indeed what we're seeing. You're going to see the same level of, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe he goes 12 for 26 in the next game, or 10 for 26, or 8 for 25. Like That's kind of just what he's going to do in these games. Simmons is the one. He, I thought he got good shots. I thought he got good shots the whole series, right? They just went going in. Yeah, game two was a bad game for That game two probably was the worst game I've seen him play, and I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, Maybe it happened, right? Yeah. He's 20, he's, what is he, 20, 21? He's on the road. Hard to play on the road. People are yelling at him. This is um, this is an interesting corner for you to stake out. By the way, I expected uh, much more excited Boston Bill Simmons, and you're you're serving as a Philadelphia Sixers apologist, Bill Simmons. This is unexpected. No, 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 not 
No, I, I, I love the Celtics game. And uh, it was funny, I called my dad right after, and then like an hour and a half later, I called him a time just to talk to him more about the game. Tatum, Tatum's the best rookie we've had in 40 years. Oh, that's a like, he really is. That's a killer. He is. Yeah, I mean, remember the feeling side of it. Like, the trade happened, whatever, false might still be good. Like, it's just, it's been incredible to watch how he's grown this season and the confidence that he has. And just to be able to play like that in a road playoff game is sick. You know, it really... And it feel, also looks like he's grown. I swear he's like so now. But, uh, you know, just the heart. And Horford, um, who really took a lot of crap in Boston the last couple of years, and people just judging by the stats and stuff like that. And he does so many good things. So smart. The way he's playing at beat, it just seems like he's 100 inches taller than him. Um, he's just so gritty. And, you know, they just kind of get it out. They never get down. Even in the overtime, Philly scored the first five. And I I wasn't that worried. I was like, I know we're going to come back from it. I think next round, if the Celtics can get there, which seems pretty good, pretty good chances. <laughs> yeah. So LeBron's fat. The way LeBron's playing, it's just kind of the black cloud hanging over all of this. LeBron's on the best run of his career. Oh, and he's been he's amazing. He's kind of looming. And he owns the Celtics this whole decade. Are you excited about that series? Because like last year it was... You know, LeBron and Kyrie against Isaiah and the Celtics. And it was like, it felt yeah. like something momentous. And this year it's like LeBron doing uh-huh. it by himself, which is amazing in its own right. But then the Celtics that aren't like really the Celtics we're going to see for the next five to 10 years. It's the Celtics with Tatum and Jalen Brown and Al Horford, like probably exceeding reasonable expectations. Are you excited for that series? I think this Celtics team is much better than last year's Celtics team. Especially once Isaiah, it was clear that he wasn't 100%. I went into that Cavs series just thinking, uh, you know, the whole thing like, oh, you know, we can hold close and start talking to yourself and this stuff. But we all knew they should have lost the Wizards. Days. The Wizards could have won like six of those seven games, you know. I, I felt, I do feel like the Celtics should be up 2-1, and I do think they played better. Uh, the Washington series was like, wow, how did we win that? It just seemed kind of, Guys that were out there, Amir Johnson and Jim Crowder, these dudes that just were not playoff guys. This year's team, you know, has gone along. Even when Kyrie got hurt defensively, they've just been really good. And the weird thing about Rozier, who obviously is nowhere near what Kyrie is, he's a really good two way player. You know, he does make, he does, when it's him and Smart and Jalen and and Tatum and Horford and Baines and Marcus Morris, like these guys all are good defensive players. So, I think defensively, they're better positioned to, to kind of hang with Cleveland, but the LeBron thing is just, it's just lurking. The reason I brought the Philly thing up at, at the start, though, is I was really fascinated by everyone flipping out. I have, I have a bunch of friends and people I know who are in Philly, and they were like, people are, are absolutely losing their shit over this. What do we do? Do we fire Brett Brown? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really kind of fascinating. I actually thought the Sixers team would get a little more leeway from you know, I think you would have taken 50 wins in yes. round two and all the experience you're getting. It's weird that they, you know, and look, are you, I'm the guy who made the 7-1 Eastern Conference bet and thought they were, they were making the finals after the first round. So I get it. But at the same time, like, it does, it does seem like this is ultimately a good season. You got to feel if it ends on Monday night or Wednesday night or whatever, I still feel like this is a successful season. You know, it, it seems like the mentality now is like, what do we do? Do we blow it up? Do we got to get quiet. We got to get LeBron. It's like, you guys are good. Ben Simmons is going to be freaking incredible. You guys are fine. 
so I think part of that is just like Philadelphia's um, mentality, right? Like it was shifting expectations at the beginning of the year. I think a lot of a lot of people, I I was if they could get to 500 and make the playoffs, it's a su- successful year. But then they rattle off the 16 at the end of the year uh, against yeah. you know, like the schedule was a little soft towards the end of the year, and all of a sudden you go, oh shit, they're like good now, maybe not next year now. And then they beat yeah. the Heat, and like now all of a sudden, like you said, and then the odds change, and everybody's betting on them. Which, by the way, I mentioned this to House when I saw House in DC. Otherwise, lovely time with House. The, yeah, the two of you. I know what you're doing over there with the reverse jinx, and now you get to win either way. You either win on your bet or you win on your team. No, I, I you guys put that. your that mush money on the Sixers. No, no, no. It, listen, it was more than mush money. <laughs> it, it, we we made a we made a pretty sizable contribution to the Sixers uh, finals fund. <laughs> I stand by it. I really feel like uh, I don't know what happened to Simmons in this series. Although it makes sense because he's young. And Stevens and all the reasons make sense. I was really thinking the Kool-Aid. I, I, yeah, I, a lot I, of people were. that Miami series, I just felt like, wow, this guy figured it out. And even now, it's 3 nothing. You know, nobody's ever come back for 3 nothing ever. And you look at the odds, the Celtics are only minus 800 to win the series. Which is the crazy. The pictures are like plus 650 to come back and win the series. This has never happened in the history of basketball. And even Vegas is like, hey, let's do the Celtics. Let's make sure the Celtics can win one more here. So you just don't know. They, they have so much talent. I, I think the thing going forward, though, is to have this summer where more things could happen. The Sixers have more kind of sliding doors scenarios, but the Celtics have some too. You know, Hayward's coming back. Tyree said this draft pick. They got to figure out what to do with Smart and Rozier. And then the Sixers like, who the hell knows? Is Kawhi going to be on the team next year? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what if you win, what if you win the lottery? Like there's, there's 40 different ways the series uh, the season could go. Yeah, it's the off season is going to be interesting because one and and you mentioned this and I really hope it isn't the case, but like you all of a sudden you like you hear people throwing this at the feet of Brett Brown and I don't think that this series is like any way on him. Yes, the at the end of oh, game two. Oh no! Oh no! No no! Oh, listen, you don't really think that, do you? No, I don't think. Oh, no. Listen, I think that there's. Oh, he's been awful. No, listen, hold on. Was there a moment in game two when the Celtics were going on a run towards the end of the half where he should have called a timeout? Of course. Were there other coaching decisions where he where he was, uh, you know, where he had like JJ on Tatum and like I didn't quite understand that. Yes, absolutely. But what I'm saying to you is that there were so many different moments in this series that could have uh, swung the series and they could be down 1-2 or even up 2-1 where like, yes, does he take some blame? Of course he does. No doubt about it. But is this all about Brett Brown? No. Like, and my point point was that you had mentioned like there are people going oh you know should should they already move on from Brett Brown no no every like you said the part where you cautioned and said they're going to be fine that to me is correct and also includes Brett Brown I'm in your division we're both in the Atlantic division I yeah. hope you keep Brett Brown for a few more years <laughs> I know I, I know you're not a Brett Please, Brown fan keep him. no I'm, I'm not a Brett it's not like a Scotty Brooks OKC thing I just think he's got his pants pulled down the there's been 20 different moments where I'm just like, what are you? What's this guy doing? I actually thought one of the sneaky, dumb mistakes he made in this series. I, Chris Ryan and I were texting about this today. I absolutely want to play false and do three. Why? I think I think you throw him out there for two minutes. If anything happens, the crowd gets. It, it, it's basically like giving the crowd cocaine, right? You just you just do it for two minutes. It's just a test balloon, and you just bring him in and have him try to go to the basket. 
just the something happens because the spin move, he gets going. That the crowd, the roof would have come off. Yeah, I couldn't believe he didn't play him. I, I mean, was like, Dang, please keep him on ice. Well, they, they, I understand why, because they're trying to win a game and they don't know what they're going to get out of Fultz. And he wasn't very good in the Miami series. And I get that. But like the questions that you have about Brett Brown or, or the Sixers or whatever, for me, the biggest questions for them moving forward, and especially this offseason, are all with Brian Colangelo. Like I have way more faith in Brett Brown than I do in Brian Colangelo. Brian, yeah. Brian Colangelo yeah. got. I mean, you want to talk about getting exposed by anybody from the Celtics. Brian Colangelo got exposed with that trade. And now also in this offseason, he's got some critical decisions to make. He's got to figure out, okay, like what, like Ursa, he gets credit for getting Urson and Bellinelli off the discard pile post-trade deadline. But that's never really happened where like two guys catch fire and play prominent roles that were like waiver wire pickups. So now you've got to figure out like, how do you replace that production? How many years do you give shots to uh, ringer colleague J.J. Redick? Um, like you've got to figure out like shooting around these guys and how to replace that production. And that's not going to be easy. I have way more questions about Brian Colangelo than Brett. You know, one of the many mistakes I thought Brown made these last two games was just a minute. I would not play him more than 27, 28 minutes a game. I think he gets super, I don't think he knows how to pace himself. I think he's super fired up and I don't really think he's capable of playing 38 minutes. 38 minute games in the playoffs, like with our intense and physical and everything. He's worn down noticeably, noticeably in the, in these uh, last two games. And he's seven foot three, you know, yeah. and he's not somebody who's played 10,000 minutes in his NBA career already. So, you know, I still think there's a scenario. I could see them winning game four. Then you go to game five in Boston. Who the hell knows? I've never felt less safe for the three nothing league. Really, no. you're actually sweating this. I mean, I, it could have been like I keep saying. It could be. Uh, there's a universe where the Sixers are up in this series, and it's been even though it, uh, the Celtics are up three zero. I think I would contend that it might be the most interesting series in the second round. Oh no, question. Hey, I'll go further. I think it's one of the strangest gambling series that I can remember in the last twenty five years. The Celtics were five point underdogs in game one. They were four plus four hundred to win the series. The Sixers were by game time at game one, they were like minus five thirty to win the series. They didn't have home court. They won one playoff series, I think in the last what, six years? And uh the Celtics are plus five in game one. Game two they're plus four and a half. Game three they're plus nine. So what's game four is the line out? every single time. And now it's like I think they're uh Minus 800 to win the series. But even when they had a 2 nothing lead going into game three, they were still only minus 130 to win the series. So they, I think they've thrown Vegas out of whack in a way that we have not. I, I was trying to think of other ones that were like this. Like I think Pistons Lakers 2004, like the, the 1995 Rockets Magic, where just something's happening in the series and Vegas is just like, oh, no, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. And then the same thing just keeps happening. Right. And this has now happened three times. Like, if you were just betting the Celtics money line every game, you would have made an insane amount of money. Yeah, it's been a it's been a squirrely series. I I hope it continues for obvious reasons, it, and also because it's been fun. And I'd like to see more basketball. And the rest of the second round has not been good. But I think what you're saying is is you're going to bet more on the Sixers. Is that is that what's going to happen? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to bet on the confetti guy being a different person. Day four is my big bet. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I, I gotta say like that. That game goes down in history now. It's the confetti game, right? The like confetti game. Now, oh, man, the fucking confetti game. God damn it. Like, there's no question that's how I remember it. 
the goddamn confetti. Uh, all right. Well, it you really can, was. You got to go and do other. Th- you're probably popping. You probably have a confetti cannon at your house. You shot it off. You're very excited about the Celtics. I will say it was. It was a very good. Um, come on, come on. Act like you've been there before. A moment for the franchise. Uh, it's a wake up call. <laughs> You'll know now. You know. Don't shoot the confetti until you make sure it was game with it. They they shot that guy with a tranquilizer dart and uh, loaded him off to, <laughs> loaded him off in a body bag to AC somewhere. They're, he's, his family's never going to see him again. Oh my god! I was actually worried his name was going to get out on the internet and he was going to have a miserable day, but thank God this didn't happen. Bless his heart. Good luck to the confetti guy, Bill Simmons. Thank you for doing this. It, it was better than I expected. I thought it was going to be much worse. Guys, it was fun. Right. It was fun. Hang in there. You're going to have a great summer. All right. Good times. I'll see you soon. All right. There's Bill Simmons. It went exactly according to plan. Uh, We're going to get Shea Serrano on next, but first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Ringer NBA show Heat Check is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way. They built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Guess what? ZipRecruiter did not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. It's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now, our favorite, Shea Serrano. All right, joining me on the other line, one of our absolute favorites here at the Heat Check Podcast, it's Shea Serrano. What's going on, Shay? What up? I'm one of the favorites or the favorite? I mean, well, the boss was just on. So we had Bill oh, Simmons. I'll take a second place then. So I'll take a second place. Can I tell you something? A strong second place finish. I'm going to let you and the listeners in on a little like break down the fourth wall, like office stuff here, which I know you love. Um, so we're doing right. like Bill was on to talk about Sixers and Celtics, which of course, right? So, you know, right. like generally for these segments with Heat Check, because of the new format, like we like to keep the ball moving. We keep it to a certain amount of time for each segment. So the segment goes slightly longer than, than normal. Then it goes a little bit longer than normal. And on our uh, Google Doc, I've got Ike telling me to rap Bill. Hey. And I'm like, what, well, dude, you rap Bill. <laughs> he's, he's writing my, he's signing my checks and they clear. He's my checks too. <laughs> Listen, don't hang me out of dry like that. Like. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not rapping Bill. Get the hell out of here. That's the one guy you can't, <laughs> you can't rap. <laughs> I'm not rapping. That's the one we were, guy. We were going 10 minutes over. I was checking the clock. I'm like, yo, we got Shay on next. <laughs> He's in a different time zone. Same with Bill, by the way. Bill needed to go to sleep. It was like 11 o'clock on the East Coast. I was being considerate of my boss and my colleagues. I like no, it. no, you were being disrespectful, oh, man. That's what you were being. You, you can't, Bill. If you're boss. listening, this is all a lie. Uh, they have fabricated the story. Remember the part in The Departed when Leo first attacks that one guy, then the other guy jumps in and he's like, "I'm the guy who tells you you can't hit that guy." Like Bill's the guy you can't rap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anyway, it was nice working with you, Isaac. I hope you <laughs> land on your feet somewhere. <laughs> it was a fun uh, run on Heat Check while we had I just got him. promoted, too. But, uh, well, well uh, as we mentioned, uh, we're, if you're looking for somebody, ZipRecruiter. 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so shouts to our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. We'll be looking for a new that podcast. Was like the best work in ever. <laughs> oh, Thanks man. so much. All right. So, Shay, uh, we want to talk Cavs and Raptors with you. Yo, LeBron is amazing. He had another game winner. It was an insane shot. He owns Toronto, man. Poor Toronto. Like, this is no matter what they do, they just cannot get past that dude. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I was talking about that during the game when it was happening. I was trying to figure out. Has there ever been another situation like this where one person very clearly just owned another team? And I was, I was pressed trying to come up with an example because it feels like anyone you could name, the other team at some point had like at least a tiny advantage. And that's just never been the case with the Raptors. It doesn't matter what's happening in the game. You just feel like we're just waiting for the Raptors to lose. It's kind of remarkable to watch happen at this point. Like in game two when they were up by 37 points with two minutes left in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and you're just going well here comes LeBron and then sure enough it just all fell apart we got overtime game all like it's unbelievable it's crazy like I'm old enough that I've been able to see all of Jordan and all of LeBron and I, I'm not into the big like who's better I really just like watching both of them but this performance by LeBron in this playoff stretch where a, a season where his roster, his teammates were in flux all year long. There was tons of drama. You you and I have talked about it a ton on this show, right? And then like in, where they barely even got out of the first round, he had never lost a first round series and he almost did because his dog shit supporting cast was horrendous. He has like basically just taken them on his back by himself and decided I'm going to do this. Like, and we've seen so many just LeBron put him on his back performances, but this might just be his best ever. I can't believe he's doing this. Yeah. It's, I don't even, you, there, you run out of words to say when you're talking about LeBron, because every year he does the thing in the playoffs and you go, well, this is the best that he's ever going to be ever. And it seems like the last three years we've had that point when you go like, well, this has got to be the top of LeBron. And he just keeps on going up. It's, what do you say? What do you say about a guy who continually does what LeBron does besides like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck is about right. Uh, like because of that, because I think like sometimes like when I was watching the Pacers series and I was going, OK, the Pacers have the better team, but obviously the Cavs have the best player and that trumps everything. But like we've we've basically spent the entire season uh, tearing apart two different Cavs rosters and it's a series like this that makes me wonder, like, did we over-exaggerate the Cavs' issues? Like, does his supporting cast even matter? It doesn't matter yet. It won't matter until probably the finals, but likely next round when they play Boston, because Boston just has so many rocks to throw at you yeah. that eventually your body just starts to feel a little beat up. But, no, the first two rounds, Le- LeBron is so good that it doesn't matter who you put him out there with. You put him out there with four De Vadovas, and he's going to hang a triple-double in the first three of the first four games, and you're going to be fine, and you're not going to worry about it anymore. Did you see the SNL skit that got cut from this weekend that was the other Cavs? No, I did not see that. So what was that? It, it was a skit that, uh, for whatever reason, SNL chopped from the one that um, Donald Glover hosted this weekend, and it was basically <clears> like, <throat> we're the other Cavs, right? And it was like, their point guard is a Roomba, uh, and they just like go through and they're just, they're just like trashing all the other calves. And I'm like, this is perfect. Cause this is exactly right. Like they went and traded for four guys who have like really not done much, right? Like they, they Nothing. reconfigured their entire roster and it 
really hasn't mattered. And like, I guess Kevin Love, by the way, shouts to the ringer curse, which is still real. Like we put out a story, KOC wrote a story about what happened to Kevin Love. And then all of a sudden Kevin Love is back. And like, I guess <laughs> Kevin Love is enough. I guess it's enough. Yeah. I really like, I'm a big, big fan of Kevin Love. I like that he's just always been there with LeBron sort of in the background. And nobody realizes that that's like his A1 dude. Like he just never is not there for LeBron. He's always around. Just getting shitted on repeatedly <laughs> every single chance. And he's still there. Like <clears throat> if you look at that, the, the like big picture that came out after LeBron hit the game winner was LeBron jumping in the air with his arms out and Kevin Love sort of wrapped around his torso. And uh, when I saw it, the first thing I thought of was when they won in 2016 and the first guy that was there to hug LeBron was Kevin Love. Like he's just always, always there. It's great. I I love those, those two guys together. He's been a constant. Tristan Thompson has played a role at various points during this. Uh, You know, like they, they went back to Kyle Korver. It's been a very weird like series, well season too, but series in specific, because again, like one uh, series ago, I was like, well, this is terrible. I don't know what the Cavs are doing. They're almost losing to the Pacers because the Pacers are just playing better as a team and the Cavs have one dude. And then all of a sudden, you know, LeBron has obviously thrown them on his back, but they are having getting some contributions from other guys. I, I'm really interested, and you mentioned this, like to see what happens in the next round. Apologies to all my people in Philadelphia. Uh, I will retract all of this and deny I said it if somehow the Sixers come down from <laughs> come down come back from 03. But the Celtics have a lot of like really long switchable players that could give the Cavs fits in the same way that the Pacers did defensively, only they're better at it and they're better coached. So that next round will be, it's not going to, like, it's still LeBron. It's still LeBron, and I still, fa- I still think that they're the favorites, but that's going to be an interesting series. You know what I was thinking of when I was looking at the, the Cavs-Celtics series, and this is, gonna, this is not going to make any sense to anybody except for me. I'm still gonna I love this. Anyway. Do it. <clears throat> when I was in high school, when I got to high school, I was in the ninth grade, there was a kid who was two or three grades ahead of me or two or three years older than me. I don't know if he was in the grades ahead of me. He was a bad kid. His name was Isaac, coincidentally. Naturally a bad kid. (laughs) Yeah. His name was Isaac, and he was very much like like in the gangs. And the school I went to was a super not great school. And Isaac was like one of the worst kids at the school. And one day after school, we were hanging out waiting for a football game. This was on a Friday. And there were four kids who decided they were going to jump Isaac. We're going to jump him at this place called Rachel's Country Corner, which was like a little tiny convenience store that also had this weird petting zoo in the back. Okay. <laughs> and they said, we're going, to, we're going to jump Isaac today. Nobody had ever tried to fight Isaac before, to my knowledge. So the word started to spread around that they were going to jump Isaac. So there was very much a crowd that was gathered around like, to see this happen. Isaac knew it was going to happen, and he showed up anyway. He was like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> he gets there. Isaac is there. The other four guys are there, like standing in front of him. And it's like the scene in Jack Reacher when he's like, don't forget you asked for this. And then they all start fighting. <laughs> and it's a straight up like fist fight roadhouse style. These guys are just going at it. This is in like a gravel parking lot, dusty Not gravel parking lot, so dust is all in the air. They're swinging, and Isaac is just fucking laying these guys out, like one after the other. He's just, and they're falling. There's blood all over the place. They're getting their shots in, too, mind you. He's not invincible. They're sort of jumping on him, kicking him, whatever. But by the end of the fight, all four of the guys were all beat up, all bloodied, 
and Isaac is standing there like a superhero, just in the middle of this dust cloud, blood on his eyebrow, blood on his nose, but still his fist balled up and nobody left to challenge him. And this is what I'm picturing when the Cavs and the, and the Celtics play. Like, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be LeBron just sort of swinging on Horford and Smart and uh, Jalen and like just Tatum. He's just coming after all of these guys. And it's going to be ugly and it's going to be violent. And it's going to be fucking perfect playoff basketball. I'm so excited. This might be the best series of the whole playoff. That was the best Shea Serrano story of the heat check. And that includes that dude with the amazing hair. Uh, the story that you told me about the soccer dude that was super handsome that I said that we were going to have to track him down. This beats it. Yeah. Uh, LeBron as Isaac from high school. And uh, yes. I want I want all of that. Um, which, by the way, so if that's... I don't know if you have any other uh, wonderful metaphors and parables and, and stories, but whoever, uh, if if LeBron is Isaac, then the raps are super not Isaac. Like they have, like super they, not. they have nobody. And like, I, I always look at the raps and I go, oh, this could be the year. It's never the year. This isn't the year either. It's never the year. The raps are the guys in the movie that the, bad guy has to fight before he fights the big fight. You know, they do like a tournament and there's just a couple of quick shots. Yeah. You see him training, you see him warming up and then there's one hit, one hit and then they're getting knocked off the mat or whatever. That's the raps for some reason. And I just don't, I don't get it. They're not the, they're not the big boss. They're never going to be the big boss. KOC wrote a story, uh, uh, wondering like, you know, if this is the absolute ceiling for uh, the raps and it is and he mentioned in the story they haven't had the best player like this is subjective but if you really look at it they haven't had the best player in a single series since 2014 when they got bounced by the Nets in the first round and it's like yeah they so they brought back Lowry okay fine they brought back Ibaka fine they brought back uh, you know Norman Powell and they got CJ Miles and like okay and they've got 126 million dollars in guaranteed salaries on the books for next year and i was thinking about this even though the raps had a great season and they were the most consistent team in the regular season in the eastern conference all year i think just in terms of talent i might rather be the whiz because of they they've got wall beal and porter and as individuals like i love DeRozan, but they didn't even play DeRozan the other night I, I couldn't believe that. They're, the Wizards are coming. I mean, not the Wizards. The Raptors are coming back. And you're just like waiting for them to put DeRozan back in. And he never put him back in. And I feel like that's the moment we're going to get to when we look back and go like, this is when the, this was the end of the Raptors when they didn't put DeRozan back in during this comeback to try to save the series. And Lowry talked about it after the game. Yeah. It was like, oh, DeRozan was on the bench, but he was cheering for us because he's a great teammate or whatever. And like he was there and he was clapping short, but that definitely feels like a thing that happens when you get to the end of a time with a team together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's a weird dynamic. Like, like in our Slack, a bunch of people, including Pilar, who's coming up hot next with Haley, were saying like, what happens? And, and Charks wrote this story. Charks wrote a story about how Ty Lue is running circles around Dwayne Casey, which is like kind of an amazing sentence to say that Ty Lue is <laughs> running circles around anyone coaching wise, but like a bunch of people that we work with who are otherwise good people, but uh, really want blood are hoping that Dwayne Casey wins coach of the year and gets swept out of the playoffs by the, by the Cavs again. <laughs> like what a storyline that would be, right? Especially because like you said, in the last 14 minutes of the game the other night, down 16, they make a comeback, and DeRozan's watching all of it on the bench. And he was a, he was really bad in that game. He was a minus 23, which is a team worst. 
But he was saying afterwards, he's like, it's extremely hard to watch this. And it sucks. Like I'm sitting on the bench. We're watching this comeback. I think he can contribute. I'm, he didn't say I've been our best player, but he's been their best player. And it's really mm-hmm. a weird thing for Dwayne Casey to be like, yeah, nope. Yeah. That's a big stance for Casey to take. And I feel like if I were in that position, I clearly I'm not as intelligent as Dwayne Casey, but if I were in that position, like when we get to eight or six, I've got to have, I got to have DeMar. And they're like, DeMar's just a guy. If you're going to win that game, it's going to be because of him. And he didn't go with that. And that's the, that's a big, like, I don't know what you call it to jump over. That's a big chasm to, to get across now. Yeah. That's one of those things like now you like wonder, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of lasting damage it does, but it doesn't not do any. It's got like all of a sudden you're looking across the way and you're like, shit, you didn't trust me enough to put me back in. I wonder what that means for him. I wonder what that means for our team dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. KOC, Mr. Blow it up in his story was uh, wondering about that, about if they need to like break up the corn, you know, initially they were trying to get Deandre Jordan and they thought maybe you could move, uh, move, Valanchunas and somebody like, you know, Jakob Pertl or maybe DeLon Wright uh, to the Clippers in exchange for DeAndre Jordan. But um, regardless of what the actual machinations would be, would you blow it up or would you just like, because some some cities, some teams, right, some organizations, they go, okay, we were really good. We're going to pack the place. We know we're going to be in the mix. We're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to make a lot of money. And that's good enough for us. Like we probably can't win a championship, but that's okay because we're relevant. And other teams and cities and organizations go, that's not good enough. I'd rather, you know, bottom out in the service of something bigger. What would you do? Would you blow it up or run it back? No, I run it back. I'm going to be the Knicks in the nineties with this. And I'm just going to keep filling up that stadium and we'll be the team that's on the championship DVD for the other guys. (laughs) We'll just be that. We'll just be those people. (laughs) No yearbook video for you. You'll just be on everybody else's. Mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, All they need is for Jordan to retire, I guess. Yeah, they just need LeBron out of there, and then also the Warriors out of there, and then also the Rockets out of there, and, and also the Celtics and the Sixers out of there, and then boom, championship <laughs> time for the Raps, baby. Championship. Plan the parade, Toronto. It's coming to a town near you. Shea Serrano, this is always fun. You've got, what, a zillion things coming this week. You you tweet, you come on this <laughs> podcast, <tweet>. you write <laughs> a zillion stories, you've got 47 books, you've got a family. You uh, Do you sleep? You, you never sleep. I don't sleep a whole bunch, no. They plug him into an outlet, but we're happy for it because we get more content from him. You're the best. Thanks for doing this. All right, John. Take it easy. All right, homie. Love talking to Shay. Love talking to Paolo and Haley who are up next. But first, one more word from our sponsors. Today's Heat Check is brought to you by ADT. Is your home an ADT home? If not, you should get ADT and help protect against break-ins, fire, and carbon monoxide. And for a limited time, get ADT's lowest rate starting at just $28.99 a month. From the most trusted name in home security, that's just a dollar a day. ADT is the first security company to help keep you safe at home. And when you're on the go with the new ADT Go app, not to mention ADT Go also offers a family locator, private messaging, automatic check-ins, and safe driving reports. It even includes an SOS button with 24-7 emergency response. And you get ADT Go with a purchase of any security system. Go to ADT.com slash podcast to take advantage of ADT's lowest rate. ADT tested, trusted, proven. The 36-month monitoring contract, early termination and installation fees apply, excludes taxes and fees, applies to traditional services only, certain markets excluded, 
License is available at ADT.com. Heat Check is also brought to you by Pro Flowers, PSA. Mother's Day is Sunday, May 13th. I'd like to uh, mention that to my wife, Colleen, who always listens to Heat Check, because Colleen, Mother's Day is Sunday. We really got to get on that for our moms, and we need to remember to do something special for our moms. Pro Flowers. Doesn't mom deserve more than one day? I know mine does. I know my wife's does. I know your probably does too. And when you send her Pro Flowers for Mother's Day, she's guaranteed to have at least seven days of fresh, beautiful flowers. This is the last week you can send 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling with the promo code RINGER. That's a good deal. 100 colorful blooms for just $19.99 and with fresh flowers, guaranteed delivery and unique vases and accessories that mom will love pro flowers has everything you need to get your mother's day shopping done for all the moms you know just choose the delivery date you want and it's guaranteed you can even get your gift delivered on mother's day mother's day is this sunday don't forget to show mom how much she means to you send her 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase for just 19.99 plus shipping and handling i'm actually going to do this my wife doesn't, but I hope she does. Visit proflowers.com. Click on the blue microphone in the upper right corner and use the code RINGER. That's proflowers.com, code RINGER. And now, the Blog Twins. Boom shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire! All right, joining me in studio, promoting their good work, and them as people. They're fine people, wonderful people. <laughs> Paolo Getty, Haley O'Shaughnessy, two of our favorites here at The Ringer. Two of the most prolific people here at The Ringer, constantly typing out words. You can find all their words at theringer.com. Curtsies. Uh, and also their words on Thursday on group yeah. chat. Uh, yeah, you guys are periodic appearances here at Heat Check. Mm-hmm. Never together, though. No. Yeah, this first is time the ever. First. This is How the lucky first for time. you. This is wonderful. I see you guys regularly together doing stuff, and, sure. and I hear you guys regularly together doing stuff, but never here. So this is wonderful Perfect. for Heat Check listeners. Be sure to tell Bill and yes. Shay, we mm-hmm. are so appreciative. <laughs> For them opening for us, yes. and you know they were the opening acts for the of main course. act. The exactly. two of you, the headliners now, uh, and you so guys. Sweet. You guys have two series that we're going to get into. Uh, we'll do the Golden State and New Orleans first, right? Why Let's not? Do it. Golden State lost a game and decided that's enough of that, and threw out the lineup with death to start. It seriously, was a decision. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. They decided, like, we're going to just put our foot on your throat, and that's going to be the end of it. And that's yeah, what happened. Kerr put out that lineup first. And then at the end of the quarter, which they ha- it had gone very well for them, he was like, well, actually, more than even the lineup, it was effort. Yeah. And that has been the entire story of their season. He loves taking those, like, subtle shots of them sometimes. Like, our efforts suck. They're like, we were, just, we were just awful today. And, you know, like, with that kind of team, I feel like it makes sense because what is their motivation? At this well, point? he said it during the, uh, you know, and I'm like, I don't really put much stock in the in-game sideline interviews. Sure. It's bad for both sides. It sucks for the media person doing it because like, what kind of information are you actually going to glean? Mm -hmm. Very little. Uh, And it also sucks for the coach who's in the middle of coaching a fucking game Mm -hmm. and they're like, I don't really want to talk to you right now. Mm -hmm. But Kerr is generally uh, as diplomatic as as anybody is in the league and he used the opportunity in the game against the Warriors. I forgot what the exact question was or in the game against the Pelicans. uh, I forgot what the exact phrasing was, but it was, uh, what did you like? And he goes, effort. Like, let's just see if we can yeah. keep it up. Like, we need to try. It kind of reminded me of those, like, when they mic up the coaches, and obviously they're not going to give away any of their game strategies. Mm. So it's like, why are you doing that? Because every time they go to the huddles, it's like, effort, guys. Let's get some more effort. Just keep going. It's a long game. Right. There's more game left. The funny thing is, I think that 
with him, it actually is meaningful that he says that because he has a team so talented mm-hmm. that you can only pinpoint something like that. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the annoying part of this postseason, I think, is that their story is still they can beat themselves sure. and that's it. Are they going to decide to win or not? What you're mentioning about Steve Kerr and about the Warriors and about them trying to sort of overcome themselves mm-hmm. as their greatest challenge has been a thing all year. This is something that we've talked about a lot on the show, that we've talked about on the Ringer NBA show. I wrote an entire story mm-hmm. about it where right. I went out and and talked to them and I said, and I like for people who aren't reporters, like generally with this stuff, right? You go and and you would ask questions like, hey, you know, are you guys bored, right? And it's a question when you know you have to ask, you're like, shit, this is going to suck because they don't want to answer that right. kind of mm-hmm. thing. And yep. you're going to get mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? Of course not. We're, we're trying our hardest. The Warriors, two-way man, were all like, yes, we are fucking bored. Yeah. Like, I love we're, that. Yeah. They were like, uh, we're trying to keep ourselves interested and amused. And that happened all season long. And I think they broke out of that in the playoffs. And now we're seeing like. Oh, no, but they really didn't because yeah. the one game that they lost the Spurs and the game that they lost the Pelicans, it was seriously that. Well, but those are individual isolated instances. I'm saying like in are they are they susceptible to it in individual isolated instances? Yes. Yeah, but I almost think that that's really really scary in the playoffs. Not to the point where it's like somebody is going to upset them, especially like I'm not super impressed with what the Rockets have been putting out, mm-hmm. but it's maybe it's more annoying than scary. I'm I'm less worried about it because I feel like they almost thrive off of being put on the ropes, if you will. Like that's why like they've had such good games after they've lost because oh, it's like Paula read the text. Oh, yeah. Well, so tonight after we're recording the Sunday night, but mm-hmm. after the game, a story released on ESPN, Draymond Green's, quote, long-ass text at 4 a.m. <laughs> elicits an I got you reply from Kevin Durant. So apparently after they lost to the Pelicans, Draymond sent a, quote, long-ass text mm-hmm. to Kevin Durant at 4 in the morning. <laughs> and apparently it was about, you know, getting him like, you're not being aggressive enough. Like, you don't have that fire. Like, we need you to be more, like, assertive and all this stuff, right? I mean, I could rid of verbatim, but essentially that's the general like message. The summary. So then Katie's reply was, in the morning when he woke up, was right. just, I got you. And then they went out and won. <laughs> and then he did get him. Yep. Uh, and, and the team as well. He had 38 points. Uh, Kevin Durant had almost had uh, a double-double. He had nine rebounds. He had five assists. He was absolutely amazing. And Haley and I were talking about this. And it started from the beginning. He you was could a, tell. A killer. You could always tell with Kevin Durant. He was a killer. And the Pelicans bust their hearts. So they threw a number of different things at Kevin Durant. In the very beginning, it was a lot of Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday is an excellent defender there were multiple points in the game where i was like holy shit that is fantastic defense mm-hmm. by drew holiday there were a couple of plays where you, like i was rewinding it and, and uh, they did it in the game broadcast as well where you saw uh he was so up in kevin durant's face that right. i'm not sure that kevin durant could have seen the basket because drew holiday had his hand like as close to uh kevin durant's face as he could have without actually putting his hand on his face mm-hmm. physically right. and still kevin durant trained the shots i mean like yeah. it couldn't have been better defense well but what, what do you we were, do what we were talking about earlier is that drew's best asset against somebody who's six inches taller than him drew six foot four yeah is basically trying to force him into the most uncomfortable shot possible right. he, kevin durant's always going to be able to shoot over you the question is can you force him into a bad shot yeah that's what's kind of fascinated me about durant in these playoffs especially when Steph came back in game one against the Pelicans or was it game? No, game two against the Pelicans. When he came back, it was so evident to me that like, I almost want to call Kevin Durant a luxury for this team because he has the ability to just realize at any given point in the game, nobody can really guard me and I can get any mid-range shot over everybody, anybody that I want. And in in that game, because Steph has such a strong like return, Mm. he didn't have to do that until the fourth quarter. In this game, 
he had to do that throughout the whole game. So it's like, it's right. so, it's so both hilarious and amazing and a testament to his talent that he can be such a... But also so frustrating. Sure, that yeah. That it's like somebody who has that much ability maybe doesn't well, always turn it on. And that's why, like, I guess a lot of people are frustrated that he went to the Warriors in the first place because that's a place where he doesn't have to do what he did tonight every night. Right, and he, and then there's always the quote where he was like, I didn't want to be the leader. So, sure. you know, I don't like being the leader here. Right. But I also think it's interesting that Draymond Tech says it all is that Draymond literally had to pester yeah. him into being like, hey... Last game, you weren't really that aggressive. Let's be aggressive. Like I think it's one of those texts too, where you're just like, you get it from the coworker, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, I'll yeah. do it. You let's know, like all, just to, so, before so, we go on, let's all share our last long ass text. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, that will that'll be <laughs> that'll not. be coming up in uh, he <laughs> after checked, the break. <laughs> he checked <laughs> the after <laughs> show. Yeah. Um, but so uh, on the other side, you have the Pelicans. Who look. It's been a fun season for the Pelicans. I think that they've exceeded all reasonable expectations. Anthony Davis is a monster. But as as KOC mentioned on this program last week, and I was like, you know, Anthony Davis did Anthony Davis things. Kind of the same thing happened here. He had 26 and 12 and two blocks. And KOC was like, they need him to have 46 and 12. And that's probably right, right? Like mm -hmm. he's he's good. He needs to be better than good. He needs to be the like the best player on the floor. And what he wasn't, it was Kevin Durant. And then beyond that, I mean, Drew Dehade has been really good all all season. He's been really good in the playoffs. Still not enough. You wrote about your guy Rajon Rondo yeah. and his secret milkshake. Didn't trick enough of them. Apparently not. I mean, I, that was a fascinating story that I got to just kind of stumble into, which was really fun. I like that you just called your own story fascinating. I'm not referring to the text specifically, but about the fact that <laughs> the milkshake exists. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, but so it's one of those things where like, if you actually look at the splits and, and the numbers around February to the end of the season, Rondo had to play more minutes and mm -hmm. he had to carry on a bigger load. And obviously it was kind of, went alongside with Boogie's injury. And, you know, they concocted this 12-ingredient shake that apparently gives him a boost for the third and fourth quarters. And then afterward, it helps him recover. So, but you're right. Like, he may have not had enough during the series. Or maybe it's just that the Warriors are really good. I mean, well, they were, I mean, you know, and, it's, and not surprising development. They were sacking so far off of Rondo. It was like, right. he was in the gym by himself. Exactly. And they're like, okay, you could take whatever passing angles you want. It's still yeah. not going to mm -hmm. matter because you, we're now playing like five on four mm -hmm. on defense. He did defense. really take advantage of those, though. Yeah, I mean, that was impressive. he did. I mean, he's look, he's an he's an all time mm -hmm. transcended passer, right? He's one mm -hmm. of the best league yeah. uh, of his generation. But in this series, when you need more scoring, there's so many times where I was watching that game uh, and going, they need scoring. Where's it going to come from? Like, right. They just don't have anybody really. Well, their bench is definitely more solid than anyone expected. Yes. going into the season, and also the addition of Meritage helped a lot because right. they, he is actually like a score who can give them those points that they're needing there's still a huge gap into what they're getting and what they needed so. well it's especially relative to golden state exactly no one points it out more than that yeah do we i mean is this it's already a wrap right it's yeah yeah like not even another Sorry, game micah, for the pelicans no nope. poor micah but you know what this is what we've been waiting for right it's the warriors are going to get through and the and the next series that we were talking about we were watching this and it was sort of a little tug and pull between the ringer staffers because on the one hand we want a good second round series and for the most part the second round has been a boss with the exception of Philly and Boston which has been fun but is a 3-0 deficit right. for the Sixers mm -hmm. so that one like unless something really crazy happens is right. also probably a wrap but it's been fun to watch because yeah. that series could be as I've said previously earlier on this actual show with Bill could be 2-1 or 1-2 the other right. way exactly very um, easily but the Rockets go out they beat the Jazz they're up 3-1 
that game was never really in doubt. The Jazz tried to make a couple of runs, and it looks like we're just barreling towards Rockets and Warriors, which is what we've been waiting for all year yeah. anyway. I mean, that's, that's something I've been talking to Haley about a little bit, too, is just like for the Pelicans and the Jazz, great job. Great effort. You got here. Nobody really expected you'd get here. You can only play the nobody believe. You can only feed off that nobody believes in us card for so long. And it's it's finally we're getting what we're, we wanted to get. And we're probably going to get it with the same amount of rest for both teams. And like the perfect stage. And literally the only thing that we have been building up to this season is this. And I'm, I'm excited for well, it. Well, with both of them, it just boils down to a talent differential being sure. you know so great. Yeah. So it's, you know, we all expected to be this Western Conference Finals. But do we really want to watch anything else? I mean, no. I like, no, yeah. I mean, I'm, I expected it and I'm excited about stylistically, you yeah. know, like the old saying it's, uh, fight styles make fights. This is going to be an interesting one because you've got the warriors who whip the ball around the perimeter and it's a really beautiful brand of basketball and the ball never stops moving. And then you've got, and this is something that we have talked about at length and written about at length <laughs> here at the ringer, uh, most recently by Mark Titus who wrote, you know, are the Rockets actually fun to watch? We talked about this <laughs> on heat check last week. We'll talk about it right now. Sure. The Rockets, I actually do like their sort of ISO ball heavy, like hunting for fouls, uh, basketball, because for whatever reason, like, I think there's an art form to it and I, I kind of like watching it. Uh, other people don't like it. Where do you guys I, stand? I subscribe to the theory that there are actually two Rockets teams within this Rockets team, which okay. is that there is the ISO ball heavy Rockets team that is hitting shots. And that's very different because I think that, for example, when I went to the Clippers game, uh, Clippers Rockets this year, it was a game where Harden basically ended Wesley Johnson's career. And that game was yeah, so, that game was crazy. so fun to watch because they were just, you could tell they were on a rhythm that was just beyond any anything anybody could even compare to. And they were just hitting shots off the dribble. Harden was playing so smooth and it was so fast. And it was you were like, wow, this is actually appealing. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other Rockets who are far more willing to draw those fouls and get into these like more like bogged down, lull you to sleep kind of possessions. Well, that also happens when they're missing shots. Exactly. So that's my point. So it's I, very ugly. I am, I'm in favor of the very good hitting mm -hmm. all the shots, smooth, fast <laughs> rockets, as I'm sure a lot of people are. But the other version is the one that I'm kind of like, uh, not, not so sure I'm, I'm, I'm enthused about it. Right. I agree with him. I had fun watching them tonight, but probably because I was in such great company. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's nice. Uh, I like that you guys I'm just got trying to get back on this podcast. That little plug in there. You guys are always welcome on this podcast. We should probably talk about the jazz, right? I mean, like, I, yeah. I hate to, like, throw Utah out and the greater jazz fan base they've had. A fantastic season. I think it's a better season than a lot of people would have predicted. Oh, sure. Considering that Gordon mm -hmm. Hayward left, I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be a step back year for them. I wrote a piece about them <laughs> towards the end of the regular season where I was like, look, if you're looking at Quinn Snyder's done a hell of a job. Uh, when they got uh, Rudy Gilbert back from his second injury, I, I talked to Rudy about this and he flat out said, he was like, there was a stretch there where we lost to the Hawks on the road where we were about to start this long road trip where I was like, I think we're cooked. Like he was looking at the standings and like, and I'm mm -hmm. paraphrasing here, but he was looking at the standings going, I don't know how we overcome this. And Quinn Snyder was like, you know, just focus on what we're doing here and we'll see how it goes. And all of a sudden, boom, they go on a run. They won the first round. It's a tough, it's a tough matchup though, because as you mentioned, the Rockets have more talent, right? Like you look at the Jazz and Charks wrote about this. Donovan Mitchell, that's already his team. He's a rookie mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. great, but it also calls out like the talent disparity. Right. Well, 
but it also shows how amazing he is. Of course. I know. Look, I love Don Mitchell. You so, love Don Mitchell. So amazing that, not to call Haley, but so amazing apparently that before the season, her and I wrote down who we thought our playoff teams were going to be. And I wrote that. The I ja- saw this. You guys wrote, yeah, about we it. made a bet. Yeah, we, we, we made a bet. And I wrote that the Jazz would make it in as an eighth seed. Granted, they didn't. They made it in as a little bit higher than that. But I wrote them in and Haley didn't have them I making the playoffs. So no. I don't know about that Donovan Mitchell belief in right. retrospect. Well. But it's a lot to add. Like, it's one thing to say... Like we all like, I loved Donovan Mitchell. It's another to go. Oh my God, he's already really good and one of the best players in the NBA. And yeah, like, I had no idea about yeah, that. Yeah, nobody. Did. I had no, no idea about that. And and by the way, not for nothing. Neither did the Jazz. And neither did the other. What he was the thirteenth pick. Neither right. did the other twelve teams right. ahead of him. Uh, otherwise, he would have gone a lot higher. Uh, if you were redrafting, he'd be. I mean, just in this class, Top if three. he's not one, he's two. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not talking. I'm not. Ben Simmons doesn't count. Of I'm course, talking, he wasn't in this draft. Yeah, no, no. Uh, right, previous, right. Just not this rookie, draft not rookie, class yeah. is a rookie. <laughs> talking about the draft class, but he's been amazing. I think he's really acquitted himself. Well, Shay, in one of his many prolific tweets, I wanted to bring this up to you guys, mm. tweeted that um, in this playoffs, the his top three guys for, he's really done a lot for his reputation. He's got Donovan Mitchell, number one, Drew Holiday, number two, and then Joe Ingles, number three. Joe Ingles <laughs> is another guy who... I was not a Joe Ingles fan. I thought that they just kind of signed him again because who else were you gonna the Jazz gonna get? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a destination. He's been great. Yeah. Well, I remember that when they signed him over the summer, it was kind of presented as this, oh, this is your step one to getting Hayward back because they were such good friends. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, Okay, it's a lot of money for Joe Ingles, but if you get Gordon Hayward with that, then I, you, you're kind of okay it's with worth that. It. But he's actually lived up to the contract. And I mean, not to add on to Chase. I'm sure foolproof list, but I think another guy who's there <laughs> who should be there and on the same team is Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Ricky's been great. I mean, we've talked a lot about Ricky here at the ringer, uh, not solely because of his <laughs> basketball talent. Of course. I mean, he's at the top of my NBA handsome rankings. Yeah. I think I, he would be there for mine as well. Yeah. Like, he's I mean, really like, shot up in the office. The, the new look with the long hair and the beard is something I think like yeah. Isaac has been with me throughout this entire heat check iteration, both versions 1.0 and 2.0. Mm-hmm. And Isaac, have I, have I talked about anybody as more handsome than Rick Rubio? Never. You Never. have an you unwavering f- effect. Towards I love Rick. that guy. How do you feel about the look he's sporting on the sideline with the blazer over the hoodie? He I, can't do anything yeah, wrong. No, I, I I dig it, but there are some people out there who are kind of questioning it. So Is that not the look of the entire postseason bench? Yeah, guess, yeah. Ben, you know what I mean. Unless like, you're the Cavs and you're wearing player? like Tom Brown suits, bench but, uniform. Yeah. Uh, by the way, shouts to Mike Schuster, who's my fellow Rick Rubio enthusiast. Uh, but I wonder, like, for the Jazz moving forward, because we sort of as a preemptive exit interview, I was saying like for the Sixers. I'm really nervous about their offseason just because I'm still not sure about Brian Colangelo. I like uh, Lindsay a lot, Dennis Lindsay a lot better in Utah. I think he's a much he's got a better track record, and we've already seen what he's done with this, these guys already. Mm-hmm. They need more, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And I don't know where they get it. I don't know where they get it. I, yeah. I mean, like, I guess it's going to be in the draft, but like, you're going to be picking lower, and I don't know how it goes now. Well, they have an interesting cap situation where a lot could happen depending on who they resign, some decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. Derek Favors, for example. But also, I feel like it has to be a draft, something born out of the draft. A, because you're a young team, but B, also right. because, yes, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are probably very appealing, but it's never going to be a free agency destination. And they've shown that they can draft well, even if they don't have a top pick, as they did with Donovan and, and yeah. Rudy as well. So I think... 
for a small market team like the Jazz, I think that's the way to go. I do think maybe getting a better version of Jake Crowder might help or something like that. Maybe, you know, that's, I guess, one way. Another three and D wing. I just can never go wrong to pair yeah. alongside Mitchell. That's everybody everywhere. Of course, uh, Good yes. luck that's identifying that guy. In a nutshell. Also, they've got thoughts and prayers to Dante Exum, who Ooh, went down yeah. grabbing his yeah. hamstring and... Who knows what's going to happen there? So good season for the Jazz. Uh, welcome to you know the brink of elimination, along with the Sixers and everybody else. We'll be monitoring all that. We've got a lot of Ringer podcasts for you guys, gang. Uh, basketball never stops. We got KOC and Verno on Tuesday. We've got uh, sources say on Wednesday, group chat on Thursday, and of course draft class on Friday. And uh, the big boss Bill Simmons. You heard him earlier in the program. He'll be back later in the week. I want to say thank you to Bill Simmons, who was surprisingly kind to me. And magnanimous as somebody who was up 3-0 in the series and also was a big Boston fan. Well, kind to you, of course. Kind to They're me. They're up 3-0. Yeah, I, I expected true. a little more gloating. My friends from Boston were, were big gloaters. Bill was not. That's to his credit. Shea Serrano was on the program. He told an amazing story. He killed it. And, of course, Paolo and Haley, who uh, they don't go home. They just stay here and they write words Truly. and we <laughs> unlock them for their shifts. And it's wonderful. And, of course, Isaac Lee, who's our excellent producer, Isaac and I will be back next week on the I mean, Heat I hope check. so. After what I, what I did today, <laughs> I hope I'm back on the program. I'll be back next week. TBD on Isaac. Thanks for listening to the Heat Check Podcast, everybody gang. See ya. There's a, there's a there fly like a, okay. all around me. <laughs> wow. Isaac Lee, she's what the making, hell? She's making a lot, of, it's uh, my fault? a lot of gesticulations for those of you not in the studio with us right now. But I, I think it adds to the whole dynamic.